Hello, welcome to the HR Champions Podcast. My name is Phil Scott, and I bring to you exceptional leaders from the HR industry. In this podcast, we'll be discussing their careers to date, their passion for HR, and the challenges they have faced along the way. I hope you enjoy listening. Today, I'm delighted to introduce Tracy Webb. Tracy is Director of People and Culture at Network Homes. The organization have won several awards, and I'm extremely interested to hear, to hear from Tracy today. So I'm going to pass it over to Tracy. Tracy, if you'd like to give the listeners a quick introduction to who you are. Hi, Phil. Delighted to be here. Um, so, yeah, my name is Tracy Webb. I'm Director of People and Culture for Network Homes. So, we're a housing association based mainly in London and Hartford. Uh, we've got over 550 employees and we own over 20,000 homes and that's a kind of a, we build a wide range of affordable homes for rent, shared ownership and outright sale. So, um, so we're a charitable organisation which basically means all the money that we get from our rents um, and sales we plough straight back into the organisation to build more homes. Great, um, so I'm going to start at the beginning of your career um just uh, tell the listeners how you first got into hr well god graduated it's a long time ago now um but i graduated in the early 1990s so really quite like now it was a really difficult time to to get a job uh so i quite quickly thought that i probably needed to do something that was a bit more practical than what was my social sciences degree so I, I did straight away, I did a postgrad in HR management um, because I'd always really been interested, you know, in the psychology of people and behaviour. So it was definitely the right choice for me at that time. Um, it was still pretty difficult even after that to then get my first job, but I ended up in the NHS um, and my first job was in medical staffing. Um, if anyone knows anything about medical staffing, they know that that was a baptism of fire because basically my job was to... Um, to get locum doctors when doctors were off sick. And I still kind of have a bit of a shiver at my back when I think about the times when the consultants used to kind of basically say to me, the A&E department will close tonight if you cannot get me a locum doctor. And, um, and so, yeah, I quickly learned how to build relationships and get people to do things I wanted them to do um, from, an early, from an early start. I wouldn't envy that one, uh, sounds... Uh... Sounds like recruitment uh, at its worst, to be honest. So uh, <laughs> It was, definitely. And um, now you're further on, what is it you like about working in human resources? Uh, well, I'm definitely a people person. So I, you know, I really like helping people, but also organisations to, to be their best selves. We spend so much of our time in a working environment. And, and, you know, and I think so many people don't feel like they can be their authentic selves. So, you know, that's almost kind of become my mission to create a culture where people can bring their authentic selves, because I think that is when we do our best work and that's when we succeed for an organisation. And your career has progressed, um, you know, pretty, pretty steadily. What's the secret to the success of, of this progression? <laughs> um, so, yeah, I, I mean, I'm not sure that I felt... I feel like I've been, you know, super ambitious. Um, 
uh, until actually I I had kids and then I realized and I took a, I, I took a step back because I wanted to work part time, focus on being more about being a mum, and and at that point I kind of really I found that really difficult and I realized that I like getting stuff done. You know, I think, you know, even from, uh, you know, organising kids' um, cakes now, like for, you know, for your kids' class, there's always the same people, isn't there, that step forward. You won't know this because you're a dad, but there's always the same people who step forward to get this stuff done. And, you know, and I'm definitely one of those, even when my husband's saying, you know, do you have to volunteer? And I'm like, oh, well, yes, I do. So I think, you know, it's that, there's that kind of, you know, that natural instinct in me to, you know, I step forward, I get stuff done. So I think, you know, my kind of secret, I suppose, has been just giving everything 110%, whether that's organizing, you know, the kids cake sale or organizing a massive cultural change program. I just give it my all. Good. Yeah, I can associate with that one. I, I got volunteered to uh, be the coach of my son's under-13s football team, as they are now. So uh, it's either that or everyone else, um, all the other parents are better at moonwalking backwards. Um, when they asked for volunteers, I probably wasn't listening. Yeah. They were yeah. all going that way, and I was the only one stood at the front. Absolutely. <laughs> but it's always the same people, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. So... Um, what, um, I mean, would you say you've had any particularly standout achievements that has, has, has propelled your career forward? Um, you know, I think that one's quite a hard, hard one because there's lots of little things that happen along the way that when you kind of look back, you realise were, you know, really quite significant. Um, or they all add up to something quite significant. But I suppose when I felt that I've made my biggest impact is when I've been um, shaping the culture. And, and I think I really got the fire in my, <clears throat> the fire in my belly around that. <clears throat> when I was working for um, the House, Housing Association before I came to Network, actually, and it was just after you know, when I said I'd taken a step back with my kids um, and gone part-time, but I walked into an organisation that was completely failing at the time. <clears throat> and, um, and the HR director at the time, who actually is Fiona Deal, who, uh, who uh, ended up at Network Home. So we've got quite a partnership between us. I think we really uh, transformed the culture there as well. And we really transformed the employee engagement. And um, at our first attempt, we came ninth, I think it was, in the Sunday Times Top 100 and got IIP gold at our first attempt. And I think that's when I really realized, actually, this is something I'm pretty good at. Um, and um, yeah, like I say, it gave me the fire in my belly to really kind of want to go on and do it, do it again. Good. And um, how do you sort of see HR? I mean, um, a lot of the people I speak to are pretty proactive and don't just sit in a silo and get out amongst the organisation. Have you um, been involved in wider operation initiatives? Um, yeah, like I think it's always good for HR folk to kind of get out there and get to know the business in whatever way they can. Um, I do regular shadowing, uh, obviously before COVID. Um, but there, I think it's just really whenever there's an initiative that's going on in the organisation, so we do an annual big building check, I would always, always make sure that I'm doing that. So I'm, I'm seen out in the business. 
Um, I used to sit on customer complaints panels, which again was a massive eyesight opener for me. And that was a really good way of me getting to understand the business again and get that credibility with the, with the business and kind of and, and understand the, the language and the real kind of pain points that they were experiencing. Good. And um, you mentioned before um, the uh, recognition for companies, best companies to work for, etc. Um, and you've won various awards. Talk me through what awards have you have you won? <laughs> so okay, so um, in two thousand and nineteen, it was definitely our year. <clears throat> we went um, HR Excellence Awards. I've written them down actually because I keep forgetting which ones it was that we won. But we won five awards. So it was the best HR team, outstanding employee engagement strategy, best learning and development strategy. Um, Fiona Deal won HR Director of the Year. And we also scooped the, the kind of HR Excellence Gold Award, which is the kind of the surprise one at the end of, end of the night. Uh, you know, to say it was an overwhelming night is an understatement. We were, we were in shock and um, obviously very delighted. Was, was that at an awards ceremony? Was it, was it at an awards evening? Yeah, it was. Yeah, so we are. Uh, you know, I can imagine every down. table was um, was cussing uh, cussing your table with all the awards uh, stacked up. I mean, it, it, it there's a, a surprising amount of kind of um, camaraderie and, um, and and goodwill. I think that goes around between the between the tables but I do remember at one point actually ridiculously but feeling slightly embarrassed that I had to go back up to the um to collect the next the, another award so um but yeah no I'm surprised it, they didn't just ask you to stay up there at the time I was also really not well um but, you know, I wasn't able to eat or anything like that, but I just managed to kind of at least down a glass of champagne at the end of the night because it just couldn't, that sort of night couldn't go past without having a glass of champagne. So what's what's been the secret then? I mean, five awards, um, you know, is, is pretty impressive. What's, what is the secret? Was, um, we had a really good story to tell. So I think, you know, when you go in for these awards, it's... You, you need to have a story to tell. And so it's not often something that's a one year thing that you did or a one initiative you did. It's, it's often a kind of, you know, a journey that you've been on as the organization. And when I first went to Network Home, so this was after I'd been at Amicus Rise, and I actually remember the end of my first week there crying because it felt like I'd gone back into the dark ages. And I was sort of like, you know, what have I done? Why have I just moved from Amicus Horizon to this organization? Um, but, you know, I can honestly hand on heart say that that organization, I did not recognize that organization anymore. We have completely transformed in terms of the culture, the employee engagement, uh, the sickness, the turnover, all those kind of um, measures that you would use we we transformed over a three four year period and probably most importantly is we transformed the customer satisfaction as well so we went from 74 percent and then over a three-year period that rate um, that increased to 90 percent so it was a it was you know, there was massive jumps um, over that three-year period and then um, I mean talk me through the transformation projects then when did, when did they start 
Okay, so yeah, we, it's, it started in 2015. Um, we had just come out of a failed merger um, and we just collapsed our group structure. Um, we actually were getting quite a lot of awards for our house building. So I think, you know, complacency had sort of set into the organization. It kind of felt like it was, it was good, but actually our customer satisfaction rates and, our, and, and then our kind of employee satisfaction told a completely different story. And it, and it was telling us that, you know, our leadership was completely disengaged, uh, disconnected, our people were disengaged. And, uh, you know, our purpose just wasn't clear for, for our people. So, you know, we did have that burning platform that everybody talks about. Um, and at the time, as well in 2015, we didn't have um, a seat on the executive table. So we didn't have an executive director of HR. And I think it was at this point, really, when um, the failed merger happened, that our CEO realised that, you know, being a good house builder on its own was not good enough. And that's when she brought in Fiona Deal, who came in with the experience of transforming the culture at um, Amicus Horizon. Um, and that's really when we started. And we, we you know, very quickly created uh, a people and culture agenda. <clears throat> and, um, and, and, and we focused relentlessly on leadership and culture. So leadership because leadership is what shapes culture <clears throat> and culture because culture as we know eats strategy for breakfast um sorry to be so cheesy with my quotes there but um yeah and we and we launched that agenda then at um our staff conference under the banner to boldly go so we were kind of um stealing from star trek and we were setting out that we were really doing something different you know we we completely reset the ambition in the organization and and what we set out to do was give the organization a massive confidence boost, really um and you know our staff conferences all the way along i think from that point on have been a really important tool for us to to really engage the hearts and minds <clears throat> and reset the direction of the organization so that was about kind of creating the excitement i think for the people and culture agenda and then there were the two things then really was the, the leadership. And I think for us, it was about humanizing um, our leadership team. So just as an example at that, at that staff conference, we, uh, we started it off with a video where they were all dressed up as if they were um, you know, on the Starship Enterprise and with our CEO kind of leading us out to boldly go and solve the housing crisis. And, you know, the organization never experienced anything like that before. Um, and, um, you know, and, and, and our, our chief exec is, is naturally quite an introvert. This is, you know, we really pushed her outside of her comfort zone. And I, but I think over the last sort of two or three years, we've had her dressed up as, you know, Christmas fairies, um, leading organization dancing to Justin Timberlake's Can't Stop the Feeling outside Wembley Stadium. It doesn't sound introverted. <laughs> <laughs> you know, honestly, you've, you've got, to get, got to get past the initial kind of, you know, what the hell are you asking me to do? There's no way I'm going to do that. And then kind of convince her and remind her the impact that these things have. Um, 
So yeah, so we really kind of humanized the, the, the exact leadership team. And also we had them out in front of our people at all opportunities that we could. So they were really leading from the top. Um, <clears throat> tell me if I'm going, I'm going into too much detail, but we, we also invested a lot in our management and, and leaders. And we created what's known as our rock star uh, management and leadership framework or kind of program. And Rockstar for us was, you know, one, it was a kind of quite a fun term that, again, was something quite different to what the organisation had experienced. But it also had a bit of a deeper meaning. You know, we see Rockstars as people who go out and change popular culture, aren't they? And that's what we wanted from our managers and leaders. We needed them to, to really kind of champion the culture. And it's also quite a nice handy little acronym for what um, our eight different um, leadership traits are. So, that, yeah. A lot of focus on that and then on in terms of the culture we then really put delivered an intensive cultural engagement program for all of our people and that was really about creating that kind of ex excitement the one team the collaboration um, the positivity that's been really the kind of bedrock for all of our, our, our kind of cultural transformation throughout this period I can go into more detail if you want to, but you know. Yeah, no, I was. I, I, I know when we, we we've spoken before. Um, you, you talked about you know how it sort of all started in 2015, and then um, certain events happened as well along the way. I think you mentioned sort of Grenfell. Um, you know, did that have a massive impact in in, in what you were doing? <clears throat> Huge impact. Yeah, I mean, we were we were really. Um, you know, we had such a clear vision of where we were <clears throat> heading and we were, in, um, you know, we were exactly where we wanted to be. Um, and in 2017, as you say, that kind of, you know, the awful tragedy of Grenfell happened and it felt like we'd really kind of slammed in face first into a brick wall at that point because, you know, it sent shockwaves right through the sector um, and, 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 you know, and our offices are literally just a couple of miles down the road from, from Grenfell. So we had to really go into crisis mode at that point. And everything then became focused on fire safety and fire remedial work. Um, but I think that was the first time we really got how much of an impact our culture was having on the organisation. Because, you know, if we ever really needed proof that we were one team, that really... Uh, you know, we did that with our collective response to Grenfell because we, uh, you know, we had to, one minute we were kind of making videos about Justin Timberlake's Can't Stop the Feeling. <coughs> the next minute we, you know, everything was just, we, we were having to do a restructure, say 5% cost savings across the board. And, you know, and everybody's focus really was on making sure that our residents felt safe in their own homes. So yeah, that uh, that was really difficult for us, and you know, to start off with, it, it was quite hard to let that go. Um, you know, the, the path that we'd been on, but it was it was clear that you know, going for accolades like the uh, Sunday Times Top 100 would, would just not be right at a time like that. So um, so yeah, I think we kind of um, you know we we went back to basics. Um, we had a mantra of doing um, doing the basics brilliantly, and that's what our kind of cultural engagement initiatives became about for that period of time and then we came out of that really in 2018 
and we needed we knew that we needed to kind of regain that energy and kind of get people excited again about the future and so that we kind of came up with our our kind of new strap line for our cultural engagement program which was smarter better faster stronger and that helped people to kind of come out of that period in a, in a positive way and it really kind of aligned what we were doing in terms of our digital transformation um, and aligned that with our, our people and our cultural engagement and how uh, we could all work more productively and smarter better faster stronger and and you mentioned the sort of uh, great companies to work for i mean um how is enter how is entering that helped the organization track its staff engagement i mean it's been great for us i have to say um it's really kept us focused but ambitious as well so we've you know we've we've kind of we haven't had an overnight success you know we didn't go like we did at Amicus Horizons where the first year we went in and we came ninth it's been a gradual kind of um, progression for us over um, four or five years and it's really helped us to track our progress to make you know to see how we were getting on but the other thing it's been grateful is really benchmarking with other organizations um, and actually we formed a, a really um, helpful um, a supportive partnership really with Stockport Homes who were based in another part of the, of the country so they weren't our kind of immediate competitors but they they came third in the not-for-profit sector category and so we went on an organizational raid took some of our senior managers and we went up and visited them they came down and um, spoke at our, one of our management conferences and you know we've learned a lot and, and i think best companies is really great for that actually to provide you that learning so um obviously we're uh, we're still uh, in the uh, pandemic and i think today's uh, the first day of uh, coming out of lockdown number two but um how has covid19 affected the way of working in the organization and how has um how has hr been involved in that Oh, I mean, I think it's been had a huge impact, like for many all organisations, and and it's been probably the, our busiest time in my career. Um, you know what it's done is, I think it's really, again, I think the fact that we had such a strong culture <coughs> has really helped us to move into this different phase when we were all working remotely, um, and we've really focused in on. The well-being piece and building resilience um, you know for individuals but also for the organization itself um, and we found really creative ways to keep that one team connected sent you know sense of fun going in the organizations um, and the organization we've had digital raves we've had comedy nights we've had uh, you know cocktail making all sorts of kind of things and we've done um, a virtual 5k to raise money for um, our charity of the year so we've just really focused on creative ways of maintaining that sense of togetherness and connectedness and actually we just um we just did a poll survey recently and it was telling us that actually our our, our employee engagement levels are the highest they've ever been so um that you know that was that was fantastic to to find that out um, but I think a, a key 
key for us has been that kind of clear communication and visibility from our leadership team. So they, you know, I think people actually are seeing them more than they ever have done because we've found obviously new ways of, of getting them in front of people, uh, um, weekly Q&As, digital roadshows. Um, we do run something called Network Thinks where we bring people together digitally to uh, discuss, you know, key issues that are facing network homes and they, um, people then get to meet the chief exec and talk about those issues directly. So I think leadership, you know, it's, it's the same again. It's all been about leadership and culture. Brilliant. I'm going to move it, um, move the discussion onto, onto yourself um, a little bit. So um, one question I'd like to ask, give me three, um, three people that have been inspirational to you. Uh, well, definitely, um, I could not miss out Fiona Deal, who is, who is the Exec Director of People and Technology at Network Homes, <clears throat> and who I also worked with at Amicus Horizon. I mean, she's really brought um, ambition and vision that I'd not experienced anywhere before. And, and she's really kind of, I think, gave me that fire in my belly. Um, I think as well, um, Sarah Smith from Indigo Leadership. She has been my coach for quite a long time. And she also delivers um, a lot of our rock star management and leadership programs. And she's really helped us to develop a, a coaching style of management within the organization. She's, a, she's been a massive role model for me. <clears throat> and the third one, I struggled a bit more with this. And then um, actually, I think it, for me, it's, um, it's an old boss from years and years ago, um, a, a guy called Steve Harriet. He'd probably smile if he heard me mentioning him now. Um, but I think he was probably the first CEO that I reported into and he, um, he was the first one that saw something in me that I hadn't seen in myself. Um, and, you know, and he promoted me to, to be um, a head of HR, probably before I was ready to do it. But he was the first one who kind of saw that there was some potential in me to, to nurture. Brilliant. Um, so as a leader, who do you learn from, from what personal development do you do? Oh, God. Well, I think I'm learning all the time. The, the day you think you've learned everything is the day it's game over. Um, so, you know, in all sorts of ways, you know, books that I'm reading, um, a really good book that I read recently, if you've come across it, Radical Candor by a woman called uh, Kim Scott, who was a, who worked for Google and Apple. Um, and, you know, she, she talks about how if you, care personally for people you can challenge them more directly and provide radical candor feedback i got a lot from that um <clears throat> i listen to podcasts and i will certainly be listening to yours from now on <laughs> but yeah i'm i'm a, I'm a runner uh, well a jogger maybe more than a runner but i that, i really like to listen to podcasts when i go for running it just i come back and i'm my head is buzzing with ideas by the time i come back from my run it really kind of helps me to clear my head from the you know, the kind of head down in stuff. And I just go to as many conferences and webinars as I can, I can fit in. You know, there's so many of them are, are kind of free these days and there's always something that you pick up from them. Um, so yeah, I think it's just like, you know, that constant looking out for opportunities to just find out, see what other people are doing, learning, 
from um, other organizations. And of course, social media, LinkedIn, Twitter. Yeah, peer-to-peer uh, -to -peer networking is, uh, is pretty big at the minute. Uh, we're, we, we're in the next couple of days, we're launching the uh, HR network um, sort of membership area where this uh, podcast and another podcast will be uh, hosted. But we're also, um, we're also setting up um, something called a Guild app, which um, is a third-party app, but it's like Slack and um, WhatsApp, but um, a million times better for the HR oh, community yeah. where they can um, ask questions and, and, and network with, with each other. So uh, yeah, brilliant. I mean, of course, networks, uh, you know, definitely is uh, where yeah. you're learning from. So I'm going to ask you another question. Have you have you faced any setbacks in your career? Um, if so, how do you over, overcome them? Um, I've been made redundant once, um, but I think probably my biggest setback <clears throat> actually was just before. Fiona Deal came into Network Homes and I, well, it's when we were, we were kind of going into the, looking at the merger and I was being managed by somebody who was, I suppose, very different to me. Someone who I imagine has <clears throat> probably got a fairly similar leadership style to Pretty Patel, um, what I read about um, the Pretty Patel stuff. And, uh, and I think that really kind of chipped away at my confidence. Um, so yeah, that, for me, that was probably my biggest setback. And I was, um, yeah, uh, but having said that, and I look back and I realised how much I learned from that as well. You know, these setbacks come along and they feel difficult at the time, don't they? But when you then, a bit of time goes past, you look back and realise, actually, that's probably when I had my best learning because I am super clear on what kind of leadership works and what kind of leadership does not work. Yeah. And you know, it's all about really you know, empowering people and building their confidence. Yeah, I think uh, I think you're right. If you remember what pains you and uh, make sure you don't adopt it. Uh, so give me one common myth um, about HR that you'd like to debunk. Well, I guess it's to do with what I've just mentioned, really, that, you know, so many people think that good leadership is about that sort of strong leadership uh you know lacking in that kind of emotional intelligence and you know is a kind of you know is a bit of a command control style of leadership being the only way that you can kind of get good performance which is completely and utterly um false in my view um it really doesn't bring out the best in people have you made any mistakes and um, if so what advice would you have uh, for others so they don't make the same mistakes? Oh, God, you know, again, I think I probably make mistakes all the time and that's when you learn the most. But I, I, I think my, one that springs to mind is when I went from Amicus Horizon to Network Homes, I came in all kind of um, bushy-tailed and... Is it green-eyed? No, I'm getting the saying wrong, but you know what I mean. I could just lift and shift everything that I'd learned from Amicus Horizon and just embed that into network homes and I would get the same results. And I think I learned a lot about how it's about organisational readiness for cultural change. And also you have to adapt to, you know, what will land in that organisation. And I, I remember I had to really change the language that I used and the style that I used to and I had a number of kind of false starts really at network homes before I 
really got the engagement of the leadership team to, to, to really help me make those changes. What advice would you have for, for others who are trying to get to where you've got to? Um, well, I'm going to unashamedly steal a phrase I, I, I heard literally last week when I was at a conference from a lady called Sharon Emerson. She's a black barrister turned motivational speaker. She was very impressive. And she, she talked about lean in before you're ready. And it was very much about saying yes and maybe before you're ready and, and leaning in and doing things, taking things on before you're ready. Because, you know, that's when you learn, that's when people notice you, um, and that's really when you grow. Good. Um, so, I mean, we've covered quite a lot there. If uh, anyone wants to reach out to you, what would the, be the best way of doing that? Uh, I think through LinkedIn. Um, I'm on LinkedIn and um, yeah, it'd be great if anybody wanted to um, get in touch, share notes, compare. I'm very happy for people to do that. All right. Thank you. A massive thank you, Tracy, for uh, helping us with this uh, episode of the HR Champions podcast. I hope uh, everyone has enjoyed listening to the episode and stay tuned for, for more episodes. Thanks, Tracy. Thank you for listening. This podcast is brought to you by HR Recruit, part of Exec Recruit Group. We are a leading independent recruitment company and we specialise in recruiting leadership roles for ambitious businesses. The Exec Recruit Group consists of a number of specialist brands and these brands cover the fields of human resources, finance directors, accountancy, marketing, technology and executive and C-suite positions. If you are looking to add to your leadership team, or you are looking for a position for yourself, then we would love to hear from you. For more information, please visit execrecruitgroup.com.